It's time for episode 42 of the Clockwise Podcast from your pals at IDG, recorded June 26th, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes, and we always know where our towel is. Welcome back to Clockwise, a tech podcast that's brief, succinct, concise. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jason Snell. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. How are you? It's been a while. We've had a, a week off. We took there a week off. For yep. World Cup reasons, no yeah, doubt. That was totally we, it. Yeah. We both came down with World Cup fever. World Cup fever. There is no cure. no cure. <laughs> oh, okay. That's too many simultaneous jokes. Let's move on. Let me uh, let you introduce our first guest. Our first guest is TechHive's Susie Oaks. Hi, Susie. Hey, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm excellent. Welcome back. Thanks. And guest A is Greenbot's Jason Cross. Hi. I, I like how Dan used three words to say something was short. Three of the same words. Like, yes. Yeah, that's good. Strunk and white are rolling over in their graves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I stuck the, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy thing in the... I, I heard that in the tale. That yep. was nice. It's episode yeah. 42. 42. I, I met him before. Wow. Yeah. I wrote a column in a, in a <laughs> yes. spot where he used to write columns. Yeah. Can I tell the story briefly or is this Yeah, sure. We'll just short? cut it out. Go ahead. It's really short. Okay. Uh, it, he made uh, – they made a game called Starship Titanic. Oh, yeah. That I was written that by game. him yeah. uh, when I was a games journalist. And we went to talk to him about the, his writing for the game. And I – brought a towel for him to sign oh. which he thought was very brilliant because i and i figured he gets this all the time but apparently nobody asks him to sign a towel <laughs> and then i lost that towel in a move oh. and now it no. is gone no yes. someone out there some hopefully towel. some poor traveler why out is there. there writing on this towel oh well <laughs> yeah Who's wow. Douglas Adams? <laughs> yeah. Well, so let's explain a little bit about what we do here. We take four tech topics. We're four people. If you counted correctly, you discovered there were four of us. Each of us talks about one of our tech topics for about five minutes, and we keep the show under half an hour. It's because we're speedy, as I said up front. So I'm today's designated co-host. I will go first. Good job. Thanks. Um, so yesterday, as you're listening to this, was Google I.O., uh, there were a number of announcements from the search giant, um, but they spent a lot of time talking about smartwatches, or as I pointed out, as we call them from Boston, where I'm from, smartwatches. Um, so I think what this showed to me, anyways, they spent a long time talking about all these things you could do, and they seem to be duplicating a lot of the things that you can do on your phone. Check when your flights are delayed, order a pizza, get notifications. And, and I felt like what this, all this really said to me was there's still no compelling case for a smartwatch. It's kind of a scattershot thing. This, there are all these tasks that seem potentially interesting, but at the same time, is it really appreciably easier doing all these things on your wrist than it is by pulling out your phone? So I'm curious to hear from you if you guys were like, did something Google talk about bring you around on smartwatches? You feel good, bad about them, indifferent, scared, any of those things? Uh, Susie, how about you? Um, I really like Google Now. When I went to Barcelona to cover Mobile World Congress, I had an Android phone with me, and Google Now was so awesome at giving me walking directions and all kinds of you know information. I never plan ahead for trips. I just kind of go and figure it out as, as the trip unfolds. So Google Now made that pretty pleasant. Um, with all you guys, sometimes you can carry your phones in your pockets. The phones are getting a lot bigger for girls especially. It's often tucked in a purse. So having something buzz on your wrist to give you notifications can be really handy. Um, you might miss things otherwise. Um, the walking directions should be really cool. 
um, it was nice having my phone kind of buzz to tell me when I had to turn down another street that was named in a language I don't speak. So um, I can see a lot of great things for it. The only like caveat to the girls have their phones in their pockets, so smartwatch is great, is that smartwatches are never really sized for girls. They're gigantic. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. I saw some pictures of people w- wearing them yesterday, and they're really big. So I think we're still kind of getting there, but having Google now on a smartwatch, I feel automatically makes it the most compelling smartwatch in, in the field. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in this field because I mean I've got a Pebble that I wear every day, and the thing I like about it is that it's glanceable. And so seeing these new watches, you know, Google is throwing onto those those screens exactly what it should be, which is notifications and very simple interactions. And I think that's where Apple's going to go to. The fact that they created those home uh, those today widgets for iOS and Mac, I, I suspect we'll be seeing those pushed onto a wearable device too. And that's that's great because sometimes you don't want to pull that thing out of your pocket. What I've heard, Susie, I don't know if, if if you experience this, but I've also heard from a lot of women who, um, you know, they don't have the luxury of having their phone in their pocket. A lot of times, it's in a it's in a bag that yeah. they bring with them, and it's not anywhere near them necessarily at any given minute. And so, having something that will notify you on your wrist could potentially be way better because it's not even digging it out of your pocket. It's go, you know, w- going over to your bag and pulling it out. It's really easy to miss a buzz if the phone is not on your person. Yeah. So I I think I think glanceable is the thing, an extension of your phone things that are pushed to you that are relevant, quick things that you want to look at. But the more computery it gets, the more fiddly, the more swiping and tapping that you have to do, I think that's where it starts to break down. I, I want a, uh, something as simple. It should be small, too, but I think as simple as possible for, for this sort of thing. Yeah, I think they're all too big. Uh, the The couple of smartwatches that are first out for Android Wear are about the size of a Pebble, um, which I still think is in general big. big, but not crazy. Uh, but I do think Google Now is the best case for what a s- smartwatch should do because it's not just notifications. It's there are these predictive cards based on right. So it's not like it's glanceable, to, but it's not all just push notifications that you something already happened. Exactly, they can do things like when you get your your ticket confirmation for a flight in your Gmail. Google knows that you have this flight and it can do something like pull up a card saying your flight is delayed, your flight's on time, you need to leave for the airport now because you're to to get there on time. Like those sort of things are what's useful to have on your watch, you know, wrist glanceable thing and buzzing, like you said, on your person as opposed to, you know, I had to set up an alarm or set up the notifications because then you're just fiddling with it more. If you're checking to see what you forgot. Right. You've remembered that you forgot something, yeah. and it's, it, you want something a little more right. active than that. So it knows that I check giant scores, and if there's a game going on, it just gives me the score updated in Google Now. And that's not something I have to set up. It's something it just knows to do, and that's the kind of stuff that I would want on a smartwatch. So, so I'm, I'm pretty jazzed about it in general, but I think we're such in such early days here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, though you all seem a little more bullish on it than I guess I feel. Some of those things are, are interesting. I, you know, I think the sports scores predictiveness is kind of cool. Um, the flight thing, I don't know. I'm so maybe it's just because I'm so diligent about like I don't want to be late for any of my flights that I I don't feel like that's because I'm always checking it anyways. Um, and the ordering a pizza thing, I feel like is totally like <laughs> a, you're going to do that once and then be like, yeah, that was silly. Yeah, okay. that's that's silly. Um, Such but an internet yeah. Thing. 
there's an interest. There are some interesting kernels of things in there, um, and I guess you know the real question is going to be the execution. And I do agree with Susie that you know even on you know guys who have slightly larger arms, that those things still kind of look really giant. <laughs> so I'm interested to see. I'm sure they'll slim down over time, but I'm interested to see how that plays out, whether they end up being things you actually use. I have a Pebble that I wore for a while, but honestly, it's sitting on my desk right now and has no battery charge. So your mileage may vary. Um, that's enough about smartwatches for now. Susie, did you bring a topic today? Yeah, um, well, there was a really long keynote at the Google I.O. yesterday. I think it was <laughs> yes. like seven hours or something. Yeah. And the one product that they never mentioned was Google Glass. So uh, we were wondering, you know, do you guys think that this is going to be a real thing? Or do you think it's basically like a smartwatch for your face? And now that smartwatches are getting better, we don't really need it anymore. Or is it ever going to be a real product? I mean, I guess uh, someday. But what do you guys think of Google Glass today? Uh, I... I- I mean, I'm I'm a skeptic because I think it's weird that it's in order to, in order to see something like that, you got to have it hanging in front of your face, and until they can put it on like a contact lens or something, I just I think it looks too weird. I think the, the limitations are too great. I think putting something on your wrist is a way better option. I don't think this is necessarily a message from Google. They've been talking about their fashion frames and things like that. But Google, I wonder about it politically because Google seems so fractured as a company that when you go to these long, you mentioned it, long I/O keynotes, I get the sense that that everybody. Um, needs to be given their time on stage that's in these various groups and some of them have a lot to announce and some of them have very little to announce and yet they all are given time which is why it goes on so long I think the fact that Glass didn't get mentioned at all is interesting because why didn't they just give them time to say look fashion frames isn't it awesome and they didn't do anything so maybe there's something there but yeah I'm skeptical of this I think there are way better ways of people associating with data, whether it is entirely auditory with something in your ear or whether it's something attached to your your watch or, you know, either that or the, the, the technology is going to have to be a lot better where you'll just look like you're wearing a pair of glasses, not a pair of designer sunglasses with a big square <laughs> sticking in front of it, which is what they look like now. Jason? Uh, just before the IO keynote stuff, they announced that the... Ex- the new shipping versions of the Glass Explorer things are going to have more RAM and stuff. So they're obviously still working on it. They're not just, oh, we've got these. Let's keep, keep sending them out there. And then they also announced during I.O., but not during the keynote, that uh, they're going to update Glass to get the Android Wear watch like notification cards and stuff, which just hammered home to me that there is – really no reason to have this thing like (laughs) like if i heard that and i thought oh that would be really useful those are so much better and then i thought really now all you have is this expensive thing even if it was a lot cheaper this thing to hang them in front of your face instead of having to look at your wrist like that's there's just so little use to it unless they could do something like cover your whole field of view and give you real augmented reality or something like that like jason that's what the cardboard thing is for (laughs) yeah yeah the cardboard thing (laughs) Um, so, yeah, I just can't see the use case for sticking this thing on your face to have a little window up in the corner that gives you the same information you get. And then you're rubbing your temple in order to figure out what's going yeah, on. Yeah, talking, talking to it. To I it. think what so much better would be like in the movie Her, they had the little earplug. Yeah. Just put a little thing in my ear and let me have my watch or my phone or something. And then that's my auditory response. So I could have like private auditory response or something. That's fine. You do that. Yeah, I think I think glass is kind of, you know, at the risk of, you know, drawing inapt comparisons. Uh I think it's kind of like the Newton is to the iPhone. Like I feel like 
maybe there's something there but it's the it's the really early version that's not doesn't quite make sense and like you know people make fun of it and it becomes it has like a stigma attached to it enough that at some point you know it'll get scrapped and replaced with something that is so much more advanced that will be like ah wasn't it funny back when people used to wear little things on their glasses i i just don't think it's destined to ever ever catch on to the mainstream i think it's a it's a niche product and it's one that's you know it's something that people will like play around with and there's a novelty aspect to it but that I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna last. I mean, you know, it's expensive, um, and it does have a lot of social stigma to it right now. That's not to say this whole idea of you know glass or you know uh, glass mounted displays or whatever won't catch on at some point. But I think you know it needs to be subtler, and even those designer frames aren't going to really take away from the fact you got that giant honk of thing in your face. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's it's an interesting idea, but it, one that has not yet quite reached its time. Yeah, I think your Newton comparison is a really good one. I think it's kind of ahead of its time. And maybe the reason they didn't give it any time in the keynote was because, like, they don't, they had a little news for it, but that news kind of takes away part of Glass's reason. Like, if it's not a notification thing, it's just a creepy spy cam you wear on your face. <laughs> yeah. And it might have sounded <laughs> that, sort of defensive. If, uh, that's like, a bad marketing tag. <laughs> and they were like, okay, you know, like the, a lot of the people's perception around glass. I mean, they just did that hilarious thing on the daily show where they made fun of the glass people and for yep. feeling persecuted and calling themselves explorers mm. and all that stuff. So, which is totally Google's fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wasn't shocked not to see it in the keynote, but I really, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens in the next like six months to a year. I expect it to fizzle. Yeah. yeah. We're all skeptics here, I think. Uh, so here's my topic. Watching the IO keynote and watching the WWDC keynote a few weeks ago, I was struck by the fact that, you know, during the developer conference for Apple, all the Android fans are saying, oh, look, and Google did it on stage. Oh, oh boy, look at these features that we had, uh, you know, years ago. And yet at the same time as somebody who's a close watcher of Apple, I watched the IO keynote and thought, yep, that's something that Apple already did. Yep, there's something that Apple already did. They're going back and forth, you know, oh, a health, a set of health-related APIs. What a good idea, right? It's just three weeks after Apple announced the exact same thing. And what struck me is I feel like what we're seeing here is the first exciting moments of the smartphone explosion having gone away. And now we're in this more of a slog where the, the, the platform developers are tinkering, they're refining their interfaces, they're playing catch-up with their competition, they're pushing the ball forward. It's not like they're not doing anything, but I feel like we've left the uh, staking out the, ter- the the big ter- territory, big swaths of territory. And now it's much more like Apple and Google are piloting forward with these you know huge platforms that they've already built and are just kind of tinkering around the, around the edges. And therefore, it's a little less exciting, but also I think it's good in the sense that they're focused on like improving the quality of their operating systems and not so much throwing new stuff against the wall and seeing if it sticks. And I, I just seeing them go back and forth like this and kind of uh, fixing each other's features, that, that it just struck me. And I'm just wondering what you guys thought of that. Are we... Are we at a, a, a sort of a different point in the evolution of the smartphone now, or uh, am I just missing the uh, the bigger picture? Jason, what do you think? Uh, we're definitely at a point where, in terms of individual smartphone features, they're going back and forth, and everybody's going, that feature they announced, we've already done, but we're going to do all the stuff that they're already doing. Like, And they, you're, you're right. They're just completely right. – I don't want to say copying each, other ide- each other's ideas, but these are ideas that need to happen, and both companies are doing right. them – 
you back can't you forth. can't be simultaneously proud that you your favorite platform has a feature that the other guy doesn't have and mad when the other guy adds it because right. if they added if you're proud of it that means it needed to be added right, right. you can pick one exactly <laughs> and and I think this is overall that's good and that's what we want from these things but I also think we've entered a new phase of this whole thing where it's not about the smartphone it's about taking that giant smartphone market you have and extending it into other ecosystems and as you're seeing Apple go into the car and Apple probably doing the smartwatch thing and Apple having a health ecosystem and Google having a health ecosystem and Google going in the car and Google having a watch and Google you know so that's good it's good to have ecosystems instead of separate silos of all my data is stuck into the Nike app you know it's better to have all of my health information like available from all my apps and stuff. But now they're big separate Google ecosystem and big separate iOS ecosystem. And you know, that if you're if you have an iPhone, you really want a Mac because then you can mirror to your Mac and stuff. And if you have a Android phone, you can mirror it to your Chromebook and you know, they're really trying to branch it into a you want to be in our camp ecosystem where all of your stuff you know, works on our product. And and that's, I think, the phase that we're getting into now, that real embrace and extend phase. That's a a great point. Great point. Dan, what do you have? Well, first of all, if your smartphone is exploding, I advise you to send it in for support because that should not be happening. You can't put exploding things in the mail, Dan. Uh, Well, it's probably exploded already. Call the bomb squad. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, I think Jason uh, Cross hit the nail on the head here. Uh, which is to say that now that we've all gotten really comfortable with the idea of having computers in our pockets, it's time for them to be everywhere else. <laughs> uh, it's in your TV, in your car, on your wrist, in your bloodstream. I don't know. But like it does seem it was funny how many of those places that got mentioned were areas that like now we're going to see Google and Apple butting heads in all of these arenas. Right. They both want to be everywhere, like Jason said. Um, and that's you know, that might be good for users in some ways. Um, it's definitely taking this whole, like, this, this idea of even being a smartphone war is, I think, you know, that was like the smartphone battle. The war is much larger than mm-hmm. that. Um, we're talking about an overall strategic vision of, like, how you should use technology, basically. Um, and I think what's going to be interesting as we see that occur is that the bigger issues that come to play are going to be philosophical ones. Um, for example, you know, Google obviously has had a long time, spent a long time on making a lot of its services free because it relies on advertising. Um, Apple, you know, wants to sell devices. So it's going to be really focused on the device end of that market. Whereas Google, you know, is happy to work with a bunch of different vendors to provide its own, its own solution. Um, so I I think, yeah, we've definitely moved into a different phase here. And, and I think in some ways it was never really about smartphones. The smartphones were kind of the most convenient proxy. Um, it is, as Jason said, more about whose ecosystem you're in, whose side you're on. Um, and that's in some ways kind of scary because some of us do use products from both of these people mm. and from other vendors as well. And when you have these two giant superpowers here, um, it starts to look a little bit like you know, like the Cold War or something, right? You know, uh, there's not a lot of place for third parties. There's a lot of stuff that gets sort of either subsumed or just never catches on. There are great ideas that never catch on because, you know, they don't have the backing of one of these superpowers. So... I think it's going to be interesting, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be good. Yeah, are you going to go buy a car and go, oh, I can't really get this car. This this car has Android Auto, and I have all the iOS stuff. I need a car with CarPlay. And or am I going to go replace? Am I going to replace all my stuff? 
well, you know, the other flip side of that, am I going to replace all my iOS stuff because I bought a car that only supports right. Android? Or if you're a car maker, are you really going to close, you know, turn your back on one of these two yeah, giant I don't, I don't think you can afford systems. to. You get paid enough. I don't know. Yeah. Susie. Susie, what do you think? Oh, my. Um, yeah, I think the smartphone wars, it's not like, well, these were both developer conferences, so they're really kind of almost like a war for the hearts and minds of the developers. They're like, develop for Android, you'll make more money. Develop for iPhone, you'll make more money. Um, so it's it's really cool to see to see those two sides. I really agreed with what you said about the philosophical, um, with the philosophical differences and how we're going to see that playing out. Uh so Google announced another stab at the TV market with Android TV. And uh, yeah, after, let's face it, Google TV flopped. Um, and they thought it was going to be in like yep. every TV by now. And it's in none. No TVs. No TVs. <laughs> they just missed it by that much. Yeah. Um, and it was a dumb idea. Let's, let's say the way it worked was dumb. This is basically like every other streaming box. Like it's. It's a box that streams video from Google and other services, and it plays games. Okay. I, I can't see the need for this to exist. I thought the search stuff is great, as you would expect from Google. You hold up your phone and you tell it to search for something, and it gives you a bunch of cool results. But I can't – can you – my question is, can you find a reason for this to exist when we already have all these other streaming TV platforms like – why we should anyone should get behind the idea of Android TV, or is this just like, yeah, they've got to be everywhere? Yeah, I think it's a strategic play. I mean, I do think they have to be everywhere. I mean, and I speak as someone who has both a not only an Xbox but also a Fire TV and an Apple TV because I like playing with these things. Uh, and I go back and forth between the Fire TV and the Apple TV because I'm just curious to compare the two and see what the experiences are like. I don't think I'll be rushing to get a Google TV. And in some ways, the Google TV stuff seems more like a a shot at Amazon in some ways than Apple. Um, because Amazon, of course, is running, you know, a version of Android. Uh, mm-hmm. And so Amazon's had a successful job, done a successful job forking Android for, you know, it's Kindle Fire. Now it's Kindle Phone, Fire Phone, Fire Fox. I don't know. It's, it's full of fire. Um, and in some ways, you know, the Amazon's becoming one of the dominant players in quote unquote Android. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. The Google TV thing is weird, too, because or sorry, Android TV now. Yeah, they're on their what, mm-hmm. like six, six to temp. Yeah. Um, Android TV is a little weird because, again, they're taking this uh, this approach of let's work with a variety of partners and sell things, but those things might be different. Some of them might be smart TVs. Some of them might be set-top boxes. Um, and it seems odd. Like, when they first started demoing all the features, I was like, what What device is driving this? Is there a thing somewhere? Because he was doing all the stuff on his phone right. on a TV, but it's like, but there's not, you know, Google doesn't really do a lot of hardware, and so I'm just, I was kind of confused. Um, so, I don't know. It seems like a weird device. I think there's a lot of cool technologies. Integrating with your phone a lot closer is something I think Apple should do. Again, that's one of the strengths of their ecosystem. I feel like the Apple TV and my iPhone should play together a lot better. Um, and the search stuff, as you're saying, is a big problem that Google is well positioned to solve. But it's also kind of late to market here in that we have these set-top boxes and it doesn't provide anything that's so much better that people are going to rush out and replace the set-top boxes they already have, especially if they've invested in one ecosystem or another. So that said... Uh, I don't know. We'll see. There's a bunch of TV makers building this into their TVs for next year, they said. Uh, so it's possible people will get get 
you know, Android TVs without really knowing they have them. Um, I think the smartest thing about it that they did was they made the SDK work so that developers who are writing apps can sort of treat Android TV as like a separate screen size. That may be an oversimplification, but it's certainly, you know, having apps from the get-go seems like an interesting right. move, and That's, it's one that people have been waiting for from Apple. And it's, so. it's not really. It's, it's Android L, the, the upcoming Android release, has just essentially targets. The, the car is a target with limited things it can do. That This Android TV is a target, but it's all just Android L development, right. and you call on the right APIs for the screen type. So uh, that is the smart thing. Yeah. That is smart, and I, I wish Apple would do something a little more like that, and they might when if they ever open up the Apple TV apps. But, yeah, we'll see. There's now a gazillion platforms for hooking up to your television. Susie, what do you think about Google TV take whatever it is? Yeah, it's Android seemed- TV. The the box seems like kind of a reaction to Fire TV because Fire TV does the voice search from the remote. It works really well, but it was not fully realized when at launch it worked with the Amazon catalog and they were like, okay, we're going to work on bring it to Netflix and Hulu and all the other um, apps that we support. So it did kind of seem like, you know, f- they were looking for a way to, to leapfrog Fire TV. And I like set-top boxes. They're cheap. The thing that I don't really understand is w- how they're going to explain to their customers who should get an Android TV box and who should get a Chromecast. Because I'm the... Android TV can be a Google Cast device and work with the Chromecast, I think. So I feel like they, they kind of... I don't know if they're going to... The two products are going to cannibalize each other, but I think Google's got its work cut out for them explaining to people who should get this and why. It's, it is a very crowded market. Yeah, it feels like this is also their, um, you know, their way into some of these TVs to say, like, throw out your crappy, weird, smart TV platform and just embed uh, Android TV in your TV sets. And, probably a good move. And that's not a bad move, especially since a lot of the those TV platforms are awful, although a lot of the TV manufacturers have taken great pride in, in making their own deals and fancying themselves yeah, no, platform no, developers. Samsung wasn't on that list, right? Samsung was oh, definitely no. not on that list, right? But, but the idea there is that in, that enhances the Google Play store because now there's stuff on Google Play and people will be buying movies or whatever in these TVs. I'm not sure people really want to use their TV as a smart TV. I'm not sure whether embedding this stuff in there and it suffers the same problems you keep the tv for way longer and the technology gets old and there's no way to update it and changing out a box is easier so you know i'm 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 a little skeptical but this is a very google kind of move in the way that it potentially could disrupt a lot of the embedded uh, tv systems that are in uh, various tvs from various manufacturers with something that's a little more straightforward and simple and android is actually kind of perfect for this sort of thing right to just ride along inside a tv so if that's if that's where it goes instead of us seeing you know a thousand little 69 dollar black hockey pucks over the next year running all the exact same android tv software that's less interesting to me right uh, and to your point Susie, about um Chromecast. I mean, this was a developer conference, so they're they're speaking sort of developer speak. But my understanding of it is essentially, if you have an Android TV box or a TV running Android TV, you just don't need a Chromecast. It's a target for all those apps sure. that do Chromecast things. Mm-hmm. So it it obviates it's the need Chromecast for Chromecast. Plus. Yeah, and that's kind of nice too. I mean, because that works with iOS. In fact, they demoed that. On an on iPhone, iPhone, yeah, which was interesting. Um, so you know, you could have this built into your TV, and if for nothing else, then at least you can take those YouTube clips or whatever on your iPhone or your Android phone and just like beam them to your TV real easy. There's some, there's something to be said for yeah. that. Well, Dan, how do you feel? You ready? I always feel ready. I think we've Are reached we the end of our, our time, and therefore, Dan, 
It's time, it's time for time. you to ask our bonus question. It is time for our bonus question. I thought since next week uh, marks this nation's birthday, I thought I'd just ask if any of you have any particular traditions that you embrace for the 4th of July, whether it be barbecues or fireworks or just kicking back and relaxing. Uh, me, I don't really do the fireworks thing, but I don't mind sitting back with a hot dog and a, and a cold beer. So nothing too special, but any, how about you guys? Uh, Susie? Um, I used to go to the High Sierra Music Festival every year over 4th of July weekend, and I have gotten away from that um, the last few years with uh, you know work and my, my small child who's still too young for these things. So that's something I would like to get back to. I have no, no traditions right now. I uh, My childhood tradition, my, my parents would always throw a big party and my dad would get a box full of illegal fireworks and fire them all off. And there was that one year where one of the fireworks um, landed in the fireworks box and detonated all the fireworks simultaneously, which was the most awesome display we ever got. But then the show was over. So uh, I, now I don't ha- I do not do anything like that. We just hang out with the family and you yeah, make you sit, that in a back- tradition. sit in the backyard and have a beer and, and watch the baseball game and just uh, have, a, have a relaxing 4th of July for me. Huh. Well, Dan, you're in Boston, and I've been to Boston's fireworks, and they're awesome. But I can, it's are. also a crazy zoo, so I can it see why. If once you live there and you are there, seen it a few times, I can understand not wanting to go down to the Esplanade anymore. Here in San um, Francisco, they do fireworks, but you can't see them because they're yeah, all up in the it's, fog. It's a total <laughs> roll of the dice. I've I've lived here ten years. Two years, it was really clear and awesome, and the rest of the time, so we don't even go because it's not worth like getting there, freezing, and finding out you can't see the There's fireworks. There's a faint glow, yeah. on the distance, and that's it. <laughs> yep. So, uh, so I mean, we don't have a lot of traditions. Usually, we just go uh, hang out with our friends, grill, watch a ball game. And if that, sometimes we just stay at home and complain about the noise. <laughs> that's pretty good that's pretty similar to a lot of what I do an American tradition complaining about the noise of fireworks yeah. alright well Dan th- I think that wraps it up I think we've successfully completed episode 42 of the Clockwise Podcast 42 yeah, I know now literally, I get it yeah. that is literally all the time we have Susie Oaks thank you for being here thanks guys and Jason Cross thank you for being here thank you very much and so until next time on Clockwise Dan and I remind you watch what you say And keep watching the clock. And don't panic. Bye, everybody. Bye.